the Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast Producer of the Month for August is Kate Jones. Thank you, Kate. Be just like Kate and get rewarded for supporting our podcast. Head over to patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried. For a small amount each month, you can get some colossal benefits, such as access to new podcast episodes before anyone else, exclusive video hangouts, shout-outs from me on Twitter. I will even read something that you send me, and it'll sound just like this. Go to patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried. That's Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Gilbert Gottfried. We thank you for your generosity. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and I'm here with my co-host Frank Santopadre, and this is Gilbert and Frank's Amazing Colossal Obsession. No, we're not doing an obsession. No, we're not. No, we're just... <laughs> we're just, we're just gonna... I finally got it right. <laughs> I finally, I finally, after doing like, like about 60 of these... I finally got it right. And when, okay, this is Gilbert and Frank not doing an obsession. No, I just wanted to say yes. a couple of words about Yvonne Craig, Batgirl, who, uh, yes. who who passed away today. Actually, uh, we're taping this on uh, August uh, 19th. And, and we wanted her for the show. I wrote about her on Facebook today. She was actually a lovely person. I, I a couple of years ago, I worked for FX for Jeff Probst, and uh, we 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 had Batman on the channel, and we asked uh, Yvonne to come on the show, and she couldn't she couldn't have been nicer, and she kept me on the phone. Well, she didn't keep me on the phone. I was thrilled to talk to her, but telling me stories about Elvis and and about Batman and Star Trek and the Man from Uncle and everything that she did. She was so lovely and and so nice, and I wrote to her. I guess I was just telling you, Gil, about six uh, six months ago, to to plead with her to ask her to come on the show because I thought she'd be a perfect guest for us, and and she never got back to me. And I realized she was now that she was sick. Yeah, and and we were we were interviewing Julie Newmar and Lee Merriweather, right. who are both um, uh, cat women, and we thought, boy, wouldn't it be perfect? Yvonne Craig as Batgirl. Yeah, we had a, and we'd had Adam on the show previously, yes. and she really fit the she fit the podcast to a T, and she she would have been wonderful, and uh, she had great stories to tell. We're still trying to find a guest, uh, wrangle a guest that worked with Elvis. Oh yes, and I guess we'll have to call Shelley Fabares. Yeah, who's around. <laughs> Uh, but but she was she was lovely and she sent me an autograph picture a funny one which I put up on Facebook and uh, uh, it was nice to meet uh, somebody who uh, was a, uh, you know a significant part of my childhood who turned out to be such a uh, an authentic nice person 
So and, and someone else who died recently, Theodore Bakel. Yeah, we wanted to say something about Theodore Bakel too. Because he had worked, he spoke like a hundred different languages. And worked with everybody. Yeah, he worked with Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn, an African queen. Right. He worked with Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier. Oh, and the and, Defiant Ones? Yes. Wow. And that's Lon right. Chaney Jr. He is in that. Yeah. And yeah. He so, was a Renaissance man, and he, and he I believe he did play um, uh, Tevye. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, they just recently, I was just recently in a documentary where I was one of the uh, people commenting on Theodore Bakel. I didn't, you didn't tell me that. Yeah. Oh, he would have been great. We should have reached out to him. You know, Nehemiah Persoff's still alive. We ought to. He is? Yeah, yeah. He's a thousand years old, but we really ought to get to him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, rest in oh. peace, uh, Yvonne and, uh, and, and Theodore Bakel. And also uh, noteworthy is uh, Groucho died on this date. Wow. So. How do you feel about oh, that, Groucho? So he must be. <laughs> well, you know, it's that the idea that I died on this date would make me about 500. <laughs> Not because, on the day, on the date. <laughs> oh, you were saying to me that I died exactly on this date. So if I died on this date, I would be at least 500. <laughs> And then you should get that right, because this means that I died twice. I died years ago in the 70s, and I also died now. And it's like a Twilight Zone episode, (laughs) where I keep dying over and over again. I think it was Nunley Johnson. All right, that's enough of that. Now you wanted to uh, you yes. also you also wanted to add a correction. Yes. Do I have that right? Uh, a major boner. That's I beg a your porn, pardon. A porn film that I was starting. <laughs> yes, it was. An, that was your character. I was an army right. <laughs> general <laughs> who took Viagra, and my character was Major Boner. <laughs> that was not a riding crop in your pocket. Uh, we were we were talking about uh, what was the uh, uh, oh I know paper what it was moon. we were talking about paper moon and in there the sheriff was played by John Hillerman well it was a dual part it was he was the sheriff and he was the bootlegger the bootleg uh, yes. the brother yeah the twin brother and he was also you know he was also of course in Magnum PI and Blazing Saddles oh uh, yes right. And and I think I I I made this blunder. You did, buddy. And and because you know, and 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 our fans were rightfully outraged. <laughs> I got a lot and, of tweets. Yes, yes, they were rightfully outraged. Because when afterwards, when I realized, I thought, "Oh my God, of course!" And and it was it was actually William Daniel, who was a kid. I said that. John Hillerman right. was Kit the talking car in Knight Rider. And it was, of course, William Daniel. Who was Captain Nice, the, yeah. the superhero. Look, it's a man who rides around like, look, it's a man who flies around <laughs> like an eagle. Look, it's a man who hates, oh, that's illegal. Who is this man with arms built just like hammers? It's just some nut who flies around in pajamas. That's no nut, son. That's Captain Nice. That's impressive. <laughs> Created by... Oh, was that Buck Henry? Nah, no. nice job. Yep, Buck yeah. Henry. 
course, there were two on at the same time. Well, there was Mr. Terrific. Yeah. With Stanley Beamish. Yeah. That was John MacGyver was on that one. Oh, my God. On Mr. This, Terrific. This, this, this is terrific. This, uh, 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 bank is being held up. You must, you must fly over there. Fly over there right away. This is a, this is a tense situation. There is no other human being walking the earth that does John MacGyver and that remembers all the lyrics to the Captain Nice theme. <laughs> you are one of a kind, my friend. And I should add that both John Hillerman and William Daniels are still with us. Wow! So we should have them on the show. And William Daniels was also uh, Dustin Hoffman's father in The Graduate. Oh, he's in a million things. Yeah, he was in 1776. And, oh, yes. And, right. and he says in there, uh, well, this is old son of half-faked, Benjamin. That's very good. Why, no, sir. It's completely baked. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who was it? Howard De Silva playing Ben Franklin? Oh, my. Yes, Howard yeah. De Silva. Mm. Who I once, I one time I was out in LA and I passed by Howard De Silva and I didn't say anything. <laughs> I was intimidated. I was the only You're person intimidated who knew by Howard, Howard De Silva. De Silva because that was my upbringing. I knew guys. I, when I was, when I was uh. three. That's I would hilarious. go, hey, there's a movie with Howard De Silva. I believe he was blacklisted, Howard oh. De Silva. Uh, don't don't quote me on and, that. But. And he was also in that um, Outer Limits episode. Oh yeah, with a with a robot. Yes, who's being held on murder charges. So what did we cover here? And 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 but wait, yeah, I remember Howard De Silva as the uh, uh, they get him. And they say, Professor so-and-so has been murdered, and we want you to defend the accused. And he said, Professor Johnson was a wonderful human being, and I'm not going to defend the skunk who murdered him. Wow. <laughs> How do you retain this stuff? And, 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 and Leonard Nimoy, the great Leonard Nimoy, was, was playing a reporter. Wow. In that episode. Wow. I vaguely and have a recollection now, of this. Now, you see, and I was going to say, like, the way I mixed up John Hillerman yeah. and, and, and William, William Daniels is it's kind of like the what? way you'd mix up, like, Frank Nelson and Gail Gordon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they were both like, Ugh. Well, now, when you were on the phone and you called me and you said, we have to make a correction because I, I, I mixed up John Hillerman with Henry Daniel. Oh, yes. So you got who William Daniel. Who was with Boris Karloff. So you got William Daniels he confused. He was with Boris Karloff right. and Beta Lugosi and Body Snatchers. This could go on endlessly. And But uh, the, other, the other ones I always mix up is like... Uh, uh, Gig Young and Richard Long. Well, interesting. Yeah, both died young. Yes. Gig Young, <laughs> Gig young by his own hand. Uh, yeah. 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 Richard he, Long from Nanny and the Professor. Yes, and right. he was also, he was in a Twilight Zone episode of something like Pick Out, that one is in your size, where like the old couple is looking for a new bodies. And like you could get a new body, these young bodies. Did we just talk about this? Yes, we yeah. were talking about it. But this is yet another. This is a Richard Long one, and and Richard Long, and I guarantee, and I just saw him recently, and I should have asked him this. Uh, I guarantee that um, 
what what's his name, Austin Powers? Uh, uh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers, when he was doing Doctor Evil, uh-huh. probably saw this Twilight Zone because Richard Long is like a weird scientist, and he's holding his pinky against his mouth. Wow. I was always told that was a Lorne Michaels impression. Oh, yeah. Dr. Evil. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was, well, yeah. that part is yeah. Lorne yeah. Michaels. Yeah. But the pinky against the mouth, Richard Long was doing Fascinating. That. Welcome to Down the Wormhole with Gilbert yeah. Gottfried. <laughs> We've gone from an Yvonne Craig tribute to Theodore Bikel to William Daniels and John Hillerman to Henry Daniel... To Gig Young, to uh, where did we end up? Howard De Silva. You being spooked by Howard De Silva. And and I I I always would mix up movies with John Saxon and Don Gordon. Ja- right. Well, they're easy to confuse. Yeah. yeah. John, they, John they, Saxon they and, and Don Gordon are the same. Yeah. I think are the same person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, Charles Dutton and Lou Gossett? Oh, different eras. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Do you get them confused? Yeah. Yeah. I I was once on Arsenio with Charles Dutton. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'll tell you who I get confused. The actor who was in Police Woman, Charles Deercop. Yeah. The guy with the pushed-in nose. Oh, okay. And I confuse him with Richard ba- Bacalion or Balakion. Do you know what the, you know who I'm talking about? I can't even <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hurts. look it up. It hurts just to think of those names. Well, Richard, ba- uh, I can't, I can't even pronounce his name. Richard Bacalion or Balakion was in uh, was in Robin and the Seven Hoods, and he looks like Charles Deercup, who uh, who I think is in The Sting, and is as in Policewoman. And now I'm just rambling, but if you look at the two of them, you'll see that they're easy to confuse. You know who fits in with the gig, young <laughs> Richard? Turning Long? into a whole episode. That that <laughs> the in Psycho. The guy who plays like the normal guy, the I know handsome you mean. guy. Can't think of his name. Oh, yeah. oh, John John Gavin? Oh, yes. John Gavin. He's in that same category. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> We've and, gone, and, we have run the gamut. And, and, and sadly, today, uh, <laughs> Groucho Marx finally died. <laughs> really? He was born in like 1900, and he died today. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> take us out, Groucho. Well, this has, has been uh, uh, Gilbert Gottfried and, and his co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and uh, they were they were doing apologies <laughs> about. People who died, they're sorry <laughs> that they killed these people who died. They're confessing oh. to murders that happened and that they're responsible. You know, back in my day, <laughs> colossal meant something big. And that you'd say it's colossal back then. When you talk, and now talking was something sound you would make with your mouth that would form words and and that was considered talking back in <laughs> Hi 
Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and we are working today at Nutmeg Post. Our guest this week is a writer, producer, actor, comedian, and director with credits on everything from 30 Rock to Parks and Recreation to the Sarah Silverman Program to Modern Family to Piranha 3D. You also know him from his long-running series, The League, and as one-third of the cult MTV sketch show, Human Giant. His hilarious podcast is called How Did This Get Made? And his latest project is the... Vimed <laughs> Vimeo Vimeo <laughs> His latest project is the Vimeo comedy special Crash Test Please welcome a man who in spite of creating and producing dozens of projects has never once hired me Our pal Paul Shear. <laughs> I am so honored to be here Welcome, in Nutmeg Paul. with you guys. Oh, thanks for doing it. It's a very fancy studio. <laughs> well, we usually do the McGilbert's Kitchen Table, but yeah. we, you know, you're special. I'm glad you guys Gosh. stepped it up. I'll take it. Now, now I I feel like I know you because we've we've always were doing those VH1. Yes. Like I love the '80s, the unglamorous world of VH1. I feel like people assume like, oh, you guys all worked at VH1, like it was a, a movie studio. Oh yes, it was just <laughs> it was just cubicles in a building in Midtown, and it was basically like everyone shut up, we're recording, and everyone to type a little bit quieter, and they just pull down like a different colored backdrop. Like Gilbert was on. Blue, I'd be on red. They'd tape for 20 minutes and they'd send you on your way. And I remember on those shows, what I loved about it is they they bring up a commercial that was on a yeah. couple of years ago and make it sound like the entire world was obsessed with that yeah. commercial. <laughs> Everyone was talking about the Slinky commercial. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> No one was talking about that slinky commercial, but they they really built everything up, and it was just like it was it was nostalgia TV. It was like remember that was this? And, I love yeah. the eighties. Well, like, uh, yeah, that's what you were. You did yeah. a lot. Of, I, I, I love the eighties, the seventies, right. and right. I did uh, a lot of uh, best week ever, which was oh, in the yes. moment, which would be like this week Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore broke up, you know, yes. like that kind of yeah. You know. And then you just make a bunch of jokes, and then you would go home. It was kind of the best gig. Because you were basically doing, like, improvised stand-up on the dumbest of things. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. But, again, so unglamorous and no studio. It was just – it was – Literally in an office, just close that door. And they were going, and the American public would run home to see Small Wonder. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody was talking about Small Wonder. Yeah, you just basically did one-liners. They would give you, before you come in, they give you a packet of information. I remember one time, because Best Week Ever got to be very popular. It was a popular show.
show. It was on every Friday night, and it was the week in review, kind of before the internet <laughs> took off and yes. people could easily access information. Um, and the guy's like, I want to like follow you uh, in your writing process. It was like an entertainment weekly reporter. And, and I was like, well, my process is they just kind of send me a 15-page document, and I read it through. And he's like, let me <laughs> watch you read it. And so like awkwardly sitting in my apartment reading through like, uh, you know, like this music video came out this week, uh, this week on The Bachelor, you know, like, and I'm like, he's like, oh, and, and what are you writing? I'm like, these like lame jokes, because it's like no jokes that you would really take ownership over. You'd, oh, yeah. You know, it was, and, and that was the other part that the jokes didn't have to be all that great. No, you could just be like, you could you could just say someone's name. Like, she said, what? Yeah. And then they, they just play it again, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> just, even describing it would be the joke. Like I know at the end of Best Week Ever, um, it was just they just got you into a script. Like they would just be like just just you know uh, just point at the screen and shake your head, and then they would put like a graphic yes, in yes. of like you know Mr. T going I'll pity the fool, and you're like oh yes you do. You know it's like the dumbest thing. And they they kind of push you into something like yes. hey remember that actress, and you go no I don't remember her, and they go she had big buck teeth. Yeah, and right. Then you Jay put the camera on you. Hey, boy, those buck teeth. Yeah. Why? She was like Bugs Bunny. Hey. You know? Great. We got it. Now move on. Then you're on TV on record, like ripping on this person. Yeah. yeah it was like, as if it was the all solely your idea. It was, a, yeah, they would always do that to you. Like, you're like, that was great. I love all those jokes you brought in. But now can you just say, like, you hate bears? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I hate bears. Yeah. And that's the only clip they would use. Remember how fat she got in the last season? Oh, <laughs> hey, she, hey, she got so fat in that last season. <laughs> Paul, so much to ask you about. So many, I was telling you before, so many cards, so many hours was, of research. Oh, my gosh. Because you're so prolific. You know, we should talk about the podcast, though. Sure, whatever you'd like. Because I was telling Gil uh, that you talked about, uh, the podcast is called How Did This Get Made? Yes. and, and Tell it, us we, a little bit about it. Yes, that basically me uh, and my two friends, Jason Manzoukas and June Diane Rayfield, who is also my wife and a friend. But uh, we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. So it's kind of the conversation that you would have after, you know, just being like, wait, what just happened in that movie? Trying to explain it to each other to try to make sense of it. And so we pick a lot of movies that were real misfires or or something that's kind of so crazy like Roadhouse like this movie where Patrick Swayze is like oh, this in demand bouncer or that's something. where he says pain don't hurt yeah yeah exactly <laughs> a movie where the main character is known for his throat rips like <laughs> like don't get him mad because they'll rip out your throat like you know like this crazy crazy thing uh, we just did a movie last week um a movie called Top Dog. It's Chuck Norris and a dog. Oh God! And it's a children's movie about white supremacists. Oh and, great! And and it was <laughs> rated PG thirteen. Again, it's a children's movie about white supremacists and 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 oh my anti-white supremacists. Anti-white supremacists. they were raising money for white supremacy. <laughs> <And> the movie. <laughs> the movie. <laughs> They gave a number to call. They really and they they really got the white supremacists on the map after that movie. Actually, never heard of this movie. It's an amazing movie because it goes from one scene of like the dogs like um, sneaking around a warehouse and the bad guy like literally falling on a banana, and then the next scene is like two cops getting assassinated in a car, like like shot in the head. It's like wait, wait, is this a kids? 
here, like, it was like, they just didn't know how to do it. And the whole end was like trying to kill the Pope, Res- uh, Desmond Tutu, and like a very high ranking wow. rabbi. Like, because that was the end. It's like, the, it, literally, the movie ends with a Pope, a rabbi, and Desmond Tutu in a limo with a bomb Which attached to it. Sounds like the perfect setup for a joke. <laughs> yeah. The Pope, a rabbi, and Chuck Norris. <laughs> Did it have a sense of humor about itself? No, no of course not. Of course not. No, Chuck no, Norris. no. It was deadly. It was deadly serious. <laughs> Oh, remember what? I, I also remember in Roadhouse, mm-hmm. uh, my boy Ben Gazzara. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Ben Gazzara. Yeah. He's actually great. What I was what I love about these movies is that you can find an actor, oftentimes a good character actor, yeah. who is just going to give it his all, no matter what the script yes. is. Right. And they deliver these performances that are kind of these jewels in the rough. You it's know, like Tommy like, Lee Jones in a Steven Seagal movie. Oh, yeah. yeah right. And they're Doing their like, best. I'm going to act the hell out of this movie and Ben Gazzara like he's an intimidating bad guy but against like Patrick Swayze in his youth like Patrick Swayze just like walking around shirtless like he's afraid of Ben Gazzara like why like what Ben Gazzara gonna fight this guy like but like there's like you believe like Jack Palance is like a bad guy in Tango and Cash like oh Jack Palance why why are they afraid Kurt Russell and Stallone can break this man over his head he's brittle he's a brittle man you know, so, you know, but every time they always pair like the most like old, like oh, we got to get this older, you know, famous character actor in there. You know, it's so these eighty movie, these eighties movies are amazing. So yeah, we have a great kind of fun time looking back at those. It's a fun show for people now, that haven't listened. There was a movie yes. I saw recently, mm-hmm. and this I think got good reviews. Sure, and and it made money. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie, as I was watching it, I, in the middle of it, I thought, oh, I get it. It's a parody. Oh, okay. Well, it was that, that to me, is how bad it was. I thought it's a parody of a schmaltzy woman's picture, and that was The Notebook. Oh, my God. Oh, well, that, that movie <laughs> well, made a fortune. Well, no, but that we did it. We did that. We did another movie that he did um, with uh, Juliana Huff and Josh Dumal, I th- but it was the same author, Nicholas Sparks, and they are like, oh, wait, this is like, is this, we, we called it the white Tyler Perry movie. Like, yeah, they're, like, they're hitting like these kind of like weird cliches. Like, is this a movie or am I, like, what am I watching here? It's so uh, absurd. It's it, like Ryan Gosling, he's poor and he doesn't have a cent, but somehow by himself builds an enormous mansion. <laughs> and turns into James Garner. Uh, yes, yeah, right, yes. yeah, right. Yeah. And James Garner proves that doctors are wrong about Alzheimer's if you read to someone who has Alzheimer's they're totally alert oh my gosh I, I love like the bad science in movies it's amazing like there's um, in this movie we did called Deep Blue Sea one of the scientists is like oh we figured it out if you just take out some brain fluid from a shark it will cure Alzheimer's oh and, my god that's, oh, that's, that's the Samuel what, Jackson yeah, Samuel yeah, Jackson right. yes and watch the girl they had a, a hot looking girl yeah she oh, was um, um, I forget her name she has a very unique name too the funny thing about that actress in the movie is she's essentially a villain. She's yes. a bad guy the whole way through. And in the original end of the movie, she saved the day. And the test audiences were like, wait a second. You can't have the villain oh, yes. save the end. Uh, and so they 
digitally erased her from the end. They reshot the end and digitally erased her. So when you watch the end of Deep Blue Sea, you'll see like one of the main characters laying on a raft, and clearly there's someone else there, but they just kind of painted her out. So hilarious. Because like, they like the America wanted to see her dead. They did not want to see her alive. Oh, and and it also had uh, LL Cool J. LL Cool J, right. who's the right. cook. Yeah, and he, right. they brought him back for the reshoots to keep his character alive because <laughs> people liked him and his bird, his Cause, dumb bird. Because he was there. The shark is yeah. dragging him away, yeah. and you go, uh, "How does he live?" Yep. Yeah, yeah, he was back. He was back at the very end, yeah. and he and he did one of my favorite things ever. And this is doesn't happen that much anymore. But the song, the rap plot song at the end of the movie. Oh. So he had one called like "Deepest Bluest." My hat is like a shark fin. And he'd be like, "We got these sharks. We're getting their brains. We're doing all this." And, you know, like I love that. And, like Will Smith has like the Wild Wild West, the Men in Black, Bobby Brown, and Ghostbusters. Like all these right. plot. I love. Like actually, there's a great one that I don't think people know about. Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks do a rap in Dragnet? for Dragnet. Wow, so oh. the Dragnet wow. rap. So they both are rapping. Tom Hanks is rapping the Dragnet rap. Oh, it's something and, to be and listened Tom to. Tom Hanks is such a homie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the two of them. And, and Dan yeah, Aykroyd. And Do you want to hear Aykroyd and Tom yes. Hanks? <laughs> I believe that that movie was written by our former guest, Alan Zweibel. Oh, my God. Dragnet. Uh, yes. I, I believe it was. Now, speak, it, speaking yeah. of Cool J, you, I heard you talking about Cool J and toys. Oh, another yes. Another truly terrible. Well, toys is another. It's a Barry Levinson passion project he yes. wanted to make this movie and that movie is visually beautiful yeah. but like it's like a weird Willy Wonka thing yeah it's like Willy Wonka meets an anti-war statement yes exactly right. it, it, it's it's so bizarre it's it's trying so hard I mean it, there's something so earn, like I think the earnest the more earnest you are sometimes the the harsher the fall because it's trying to say so much but failing on every level yes. right. it's not entertaining it didn't make a point and it's just at the end it just feels like really like oh what did we just watch it is like well, yeah. he was riding high I think it might have been after Rain Man he could it just sort of do anything he wanted to exactly. do and it was and he decided to make the passion project the well, personal project and it's you know what it is I, I feel like and you we've probably all been in the situation when you stop asking. For opinions and stop listening to opinions. Yes. Because it's sort of like you can tell, like, 10 people can say, like, you know what? Change that third act. No, no, no. I trust myself. It's good. And then when you stop listening, you go off the rails. And that leads us to a favorite horrible movie. Yes. And this is a movie right around that time. Uh, actually, it was late in that time yeah. when people had years ago stopped. Telling Marlon Brando oh, what oh, to do. Oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> Mar- Marlon Brando to me is the late Marlon Brando is a sight to behold. I mean, because he does not give an F, man. He is just like <laughs> Island of Dr. Moreau. And we've talked about it on the podcast. There's a great documentary, which if you haven't seen, you have to see. It's a documentary about the making of of the island of Dr. Oh, Moreau. Yeah. And it is uh, it is so interesting. Marlon Brando, I don't know if you talked about was this. was an right? Australian director who was who was fired he and was then replaced fired. by John Frankenheimer. Right, and, he was fired but right. hid on set in costume as one of the costume right. creatures <laughs> to watch the movie. I have heard and, this. And, and, and he, there's so many stories. Um, 
at a certain point, actors were trying to escape to the airport. They were like, they were like trying to get off the movie. Like they had to get Feruza Balk back from the airport. <laughs> like, she you tried can't to make a getaway. Leave. Rob Morrow shot like a week. I was like, you, I gotta go. I'm out. Yeah. And then, you know, and so these these people. And my favorite story from that is that Marlon Brando. You know, again, he's so checked out, like lines are everywhere. He wanted his one foot tall. Like the, the character of Minnie Me in Austin Powers oh, yeah. is based on this little right, man right. that Marlon Brando. It's great trivia. It's, it's the craziest thing. And this little man that Marlon Brando is fascinated by, who like sits on a piano, like Marlon Brando's playing a regular piano and then he's playing a miniature piano. Yes. And it's so beautiful. <laughs> and so he's wearing bizarre. an ice bucket on his head. Yeah. Well, you know why? Marlon Brando thought because Moreau was experimenting on animals that he was part dolphin. And so he put the ice bucket on his head because he wanted to, he wanted to take the ice bucket off and there would be a blowhole on the top of his head. So he needed to constantly put water in there to keep his which, blowhole which wet. Which is so obvious yeah. when you watch the film. You go, oh, it must be half dolphin. When you watch the doc, it's amazing because Feruza Balk talks very openly and candidly about the movie and she has great Marlon Brando stories. Marlon Brando just saying to her, who cares what we're saying? This movie is terrible. <laughs> Just say the lines. Like not like it's like she's like she wanted to talk about characters. Like I don't care. And poor John Frankenheimer, who's got this great body of work. Oh, amazing! And, and Manchurian Candidate, The Train, and he's thrown into this thrown disaster in, in a movie where Val Kilmer requested to be in sixty percent less of the movie. And like he, that was like, he already agreed to it and then got the sentence. Like, I'd like to be in 60% less. And, and my favorite part where you know they've gone to the point of no return is when Val Kilmer starts doing a Marlon Brando imitation. Oh, yes. <laughs> They hated each other so much that it's full of vitriol. Like, he is not so unhappy with him. And, and, and he's, like, having sex and doing cocaine with pig women. Pregnant, like, pig women. This movie is, it defies everything. It's so worth watching because it is, I, I love a movie where it's unchecked. I, I feel like one of my favorite shows on TV right now is Empire. And I, and I think Empire really works. But I think also one of the best things about Empire is you have these actors that are pretty great actors, but no one's saying no to a choice. They're like, yeah, yeah. do that. You yes. want to hit him with the broom? Yes. Hit him with the broom. You want to put your gay son in a trash can? Do it. Go for it. Let's, they just push the boundaries yeah. of like crazy, and I, I, I can't get enough of it. It's kind of like I think Al Pacino mm-hmm. has gone to got to that point oh, years yeah. ago. Well, you don't tell Al Pacino like, "Hey, pull back a little." Uh, there is a great a great article in Entertainment Weekly. It was a roundtable article with the cat. It was like Kevin Klein, Morgan Freeman, and somebody three or four uh, established actors in their sixties and seventies. It's like uh, Kevin Klein's getting married and they go for like a last bachelor party. I think it's called Last Vegas. Oh, Last oh, Vegas. Yes. Michael, yes. Michael, yes. Michael Douglas. Yes. Yeah. And so they did like this roundtable with them. And there's a discuss there's a discussion point with the interviewers like, how do you like working with new directors? And the immediately you can tell the interview is like this huge disdain for working with un, like young directors. Like, oh yeah, they don't they can't tell me anything. And Morgan <laughs> Freeman literally is quoted as saying, The only note you can tell me is faster or slower, louder or softer. And you know, that's that was accredited at first to Gene Hackman. Oh really? He started saying that. It's so crazy. Like that's like know when that. you get, that's cool. Yeah. When you get that ballsy to be like, don't give me any direction but louder, softer, <laughs> faster or slower. <laughs> it's like uh, that ending that I, I love I love stuff yeah, like to that. To a legendary actor, you can't say to them, 
that really sucks. Yeah. You're gonna have to. I, I worked. Oh. I worked with Michael. I worked with Michael Bay. I did a uh, a thing with him for an award show, and he's a fascinating guy because. You know, Michael Bay is very much like his movies. He's this brash, you know, kind of, you know, like when I was doing my bit with him, he's wearing an American flag T-shirt, getting out of his car with gull wing doors as his dog <laughs> is being vacuumed. His dog literally is being vacuumed and he's talking to me. And we were and we had these two directors and they're really fantastic directors. But as a lot of these uh, directors that I work with, they're a little bit more um, to themselves and quiet. They're not bombastic. And Michael is... I think very publicly a bombastic kind of director. Like he wants what he wants. And he's passionate about it. And this, these guys gave him a note like, hey, Michael, could you? He's like, hey, man, you got to get some balls on you. You got to come and give me a note. You got to say, Michael, you suck right now. You got to bring it. You got to bring the heat, Michael. You're fucking up. You got to do it. And, and like, he's like, I went up because the first time I directed a movie, I went up to Sean Connery. And I was like, Sean, you're messing up the scene. And Sean Connery grabbed me. He's like, thank you, boy. Thank you for giving me this direction. So like, you know, he's like, you got to just get some balls. You're the director out there. And it was so fun. I just... I I love that it's like he wanted his own medicine. He's like, yeah, yell at me. Tell me it suck. And he was so pumped for that. Now, here's a movie I'm scared to. Oh, before I go on. Yes. That I, I have to get back yes. to uh, Notebook. Yeah, uh, yeah. One other great scene <laughs> where one of the sad, tragic things uh-huh. that's happening to the girl, uh, yeah. I think, Rachel, Rachel McAdams, McAdams yeah. is that she's about to marry a rich, handsome guy who mm-hmm. truly loves her. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the bad thing. Yeah, not her not soulmate. The, her mother takes her to this construction site to point out the guy that the mother still loves to this day. <laughs> and you see a construction worker there, and you go, oh, yeah, you'd be so much happy with a fucking construction <laughs> worker than living in this mansion you It's such a bizarre, like, it really is, like, um, trashy romance kind of narrative. It's always like, you know, you be the sweaty guy is the best one. But you see that movie 10 years, like, or the relationship five years later, and they're just divorced or miserable. Like, in real, like, if you saw that, like, real-life connection. Well, it's like, I always wanted to do a, I always wanted to do a sequel mm-hmm. to movies like that. Like, they should have had a sequel to Titanic, where the two of them really do yeah, survive and get married and show what their fucking life <laughs> is now. It was called Revolutionary Road. Oh, <laughs> Well, to me, I, to me, the, I've always tried to write a sketch like this, and it never really worked out. I couldn't figure out how to crack it. I want the 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 after the end of every James Bond movie. So it's like, let's now let's see the next, you know, like the next now that he's moved in with, like you know, after he saved the girl and yeah. like view to a kill, like this girl, he's like this is normal girl from Southern California. Like, where does James Bond and her go? Like they always like end like they're kissing, like oh now we'll be boyfriend and girlfriend, and yes. like and the next movie. Forgot her completely, but what I want to see the in between time of like James Bond with this person, like it doesn't work out, it never is going to work I'm out. Trying like, to like, wrap my mind like, around the idea of you and your alone in your apartment watching the notebook. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> with your uh, wife out of town. Like, like, I wanted to do a sequel to that, I think it's called The Married Man oh, with um, 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 Alec Baldwin, um, Nick, Nick, Nicholas Cage. Okay, oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah, no stranger to bad movies, yeah, sure, of course. And that's the one, it's very much like uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, right. With, Was it The Weather? Is it The Weatherman? No, or The Weatherman's the, a different no, one. No, no. Who's one you, that, that 
Is it Taylor Leone? Black actor. Yeah, Taylor Leone. Taylor Leone and Nicholas Cage. And the Cage. black What's actor an... who was in. Um, yeah. In uh, Moses Gunn. Uh, the, no, no, no. And <laughs> Charles Dunn. I think it was the Family Man. The Family Man. The Family Man. The Family Man. He was. He was in that. Uh, those George Clooney, Ocean's Eleven. Oh, Don, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Right. Don Cheadle's like this magic character yeah. who shows Nicholas Cage, who's rich. Getting laid constantly right. and living in a luxury apartment, how much truly happier he would have been had he married Taya Leone? That's uh, a capper ripoff. Yeah, basically. and lived in Jersey and worked in a tire store. But that—that that is, I mean, there was a long time with those movies where it was always the magical, the magical black person who came into someone's <laughs> life to right. tell you that you're either living it the right oh, yeah. way or the wrong way. Back of fans. Yeah, it was like, what? All right, I guess. Like everyone, like, now let me tell you. You may think you're happy, but it was such a weird world of film. It's a subgenre, isn't it? Yeah, the magical, really, yeah. magical black person. Yeah. I think uh, Dave Chappelle did a, uh, a, a sketch called like Magical Negro. I think that, like that was his whole thing. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's funny. God, just uh, uh, bringing up Morgan Freeman. He yeah. got into that part of being – he is God in every movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he's God or the president. Yes. And by right. the way, I think if he ran, people would vote for him. They would. Yeah. You don't know got anything. Yeah, like that's like you, you just – you're like, that's the guy. I'm in. I'm in to this guy. Like he – there's something about those actors where – when you've played authority figures enough, you're like, oh, yeah, they know, they know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he knows everything. Yeah. And, um, oh, another movie that – this got on my nerves, and this is a respected film, and and that's uh, The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, sure. Because they show the bad guy yeah. uh, gets his ass kicked by the warden. Yeah. And he's in a wheelchair, and he they say how he just lives on liquid for the rest of his life. And then Tim Robbins – he uh, fights against getting raped, and they say he's beaten within an inch of his life. And then the next scene, he looks great, and he escapes from prison. He doesn't have a scratch on him. <laughs> yeah, you can't really keep no uh, no main actor in any of those movies. Like they get beaten up, but the next scene, they always are pretty yes. fine. Even Denzel Washington in Flight, um, when he's like this alcoholic who's like at his last. He it like you know he's like he's reached the point where he needs help you know he needs to go into AA. He still looks pretty badass. I'm like oh being an alcoholic oh, yes. seems pretty cool. <laughs> like you don't ever like you don't but you don't let their guard down enough to be like oh like you don't feel like it's a, like a cautionary tale. You're like eh, I'd like to be I'd like to get that deep you know. <laughs> well, it's another Denzel Washington one that I enjoyed up to a certain point, sure. knowing it's all been done before. And that's uh, Training Day. Oh, yeah. I love Training Day. That's a good film. But there's one part where what's what's the young guy? Ethan Hawke. Stephen 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 Hawke. Yeah. Let me see that one. (laughs) Ethan Hawke finds this Uh, Mexican girl getting raped by two guys. He beats them up, (coughs) ties them up, and uh, he finds her wallet. Yes. On the ground. And then when he's about to be shot by these two tough Mexicans, the wallet accidentally falls out of his pocket and it's uh, one of their cousins ah. of the Mexican guy who's going to shoot him. Handy. 
And I thought, boy, isn't that convenient? Uh, that, you know, I mean, I feel like you get you walk into these corners and sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, and the wallet falls out. Like, yeah. that, that always makes me laugh. Have you too. seen the other two versions of Dr. Moreau? Because we've talked about the first one that Lugosi did is yes. actually good. It's a okay, great. Yes. We've talked about that. We do a little yeah. mini movie Charles, episode Charles on Thursdays okay. now. Uh, we don't we don't trash bad films. No. We actually recommend hidden treasures. Hidden buried tra- treasures. Yeah, I, and, I love and, that. And I and the guy I think one of the guy who plays an animal man is I think his name was Joe Bonomo, whose family was Bonomo candy. Bonomo Turkish yeah. taffy. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. trivia. And there was another bad one with Burt Lancaster oh, which, in the oh, 70s yes. with Michael and, York. Yes, I know about that one. I've not Moreau. seen either one of those. Um, it was interesting, though, because it's, it's – um, we were talking about this in our podcast. The concept is a little bit um, – like passe now because I think like it was, it was written like when it was written it was a lot about like uh, people were I forget now the actual science that they were kind of um, hypothesizing this is what it would come to. What's well, an H.G. Wells story, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. and it was but it was written at, at the time when H.G. Wells wrote it. It was very much a commentary on the science of the time, mm-hmm. but like people just kept on bringing it up. But it like. I guess science had gone past where it was. It's hard to connect to, like, I don't even know what they're doing in that Marlon Brando movie. Like, um, I don't know. Well, like, I guess they're just merging, but, like, they're part animal, but they're, I don't even know what's happening anymore. When, and, and in all those movies, even going way back to, mm-hmm. like, uh, The Ape Man with Bela Lugosi, yeah. uh, when, when, you are, when you are at a loss to say why you are using animal genes yeah. and in people they go imagine an invincible army <laughs> yeah. the strength of a gorilla but the mind of a man yes. hey everybody we wanted to take a moment to talk to you about driving with uber again yeah why again well don't interrupt <laughs> you know i'm trying to do something here please don't interrupt me i'm not talking to you I'm talking to the Gen- audience. Genius shouldn't be interrupted. Yeah, yeah, just stop it. Just keep your mouth shut <laughs> from now on. Uh, because it really is a great opportunity to make some legitimate money. If you've taken an Uber, you know how great the experience is. And it's the drivers who make the experience great. Mm-hmm. Seriously, Every time I talk to someone who drives with Uber, they always have great things to say. What kind of things? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really talk to people. I'm I'm a star. I don't. Oh, I forgot that. The average. <laughs> I don't talk to the average people. You know the thing that's that's interesting about driving with Uber? They love being their own boss. You have total independence. They earn great money. And it's it's actually easy to start. You just need a car, which you have, by yes. the way, and a license, which you don't have, which I find interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, a license I could get. It's uh, that I fall into hallucinations. <laughs> uh, Is that I, the problem? Yeah, I have flashbacks <laughs> while I'm trying to drive. It's the only thing holding me back. The thing about driving with Uber, Gil, and I don't know if you know this, it's great for anybody who needs flexibility. I mean, if you already have a job and you need like, to earn like some extra money. Like if you want to put your leg behind your head. <laughs> yes. Yes. Some people, they need some Very tall people. Yes. Um, it's great for students because they can make some extra money between classes, pick up some extra coin. It's great for parents because it's an easy way to work around your family schedule. It's true. And now is the prime time to cash in driving with Uber. And you, not you personally, Gilbert, but 
our listeners who care <laughs> will thank me for telling them how to get paid every week. Show, what are you waiting for? You have a car. <laughs> you have a license. Put them both to good use and start earning serious, life-changing money today. Sign up to drive with Uber. That sounded very natural. Yes. Not not read at well, all. Well, I, I, I was I was getting emotional. Another hallucination? Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna take this part. Visit drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber.com. You wanna do the last one? Drivewithuber.com. Before we talked about Hercules in New York, yes. which we have to talk about and the <laughs> <laughs> on an episode of How Did This Get Made, yes. and we've, Gilbert and I have talked about this movie, the awful Schwarzenegger movie with Arnold Stang. Uh, yes. 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 Which, Hercules with, in New York. With our pal James Karen, by the way. Oh, my God. Love playing James the Karen. professor. He yeah. did our show. He, you know, James, uh, to me, is the, and I'm probably going to mess this up, but the path marker. The, That's the, the guy. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. the path marker. Guy. You I should like have him. him on one of your shows. Oh. He's out in L.A. And oh, he, I, I like. 94. I, he's uh, such a, like, I mean, he was this fatherly figure because all I did was a kid is watch TV and those commercials would be on every two oh, you, seconds. Because you're a local boy. You're from Huntington. Yeah, exactly. Right, so yeah. you know the path, I think Mark. James Karen was one of those people when he was 15, he was playing the father. Oh, yeah. Theater. He just had this like energy to him. Because like, that movie is... He doesn't look a day older, like from the 1960s. No. He just kind of, <laughs> right. he just, she's like, I'm this old and I will always be this old. It's like reverse Dick Clark disorder. It's and, like, and you yeah. start old and you never go older. He told a story, mm-hmm. getting back to white supremacy. <laughs> Good. That finally. he played a white supremacist uh-huh. in the Jeffersons. Oh, yeah. Oh, For really? a special episode. That's right. Oh, don't you love those special oh, episodes? Yeah, they end without the music. At yeah, the end. exactly. Yeah. Sure it's important. Well, to me, uh, the <laughs> special episode, one of the special episodes, I loved was uh, different strokes where um, <coughs> where Dudley gets molested by the Maytag repairman yes! who was from WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, yes! uh, Gordon, Gordon Jump, Jump. Yeah. and I knew Gordon Jump's uh, daughter, and she said my dad could never get work after that because different strokes was so huge. Holy Christ! That that's, you associated him as a child molester. That's what happened. James Karen said he was in a lot of trouble. They had to and, escort him out of the studio with yeah. security. Wow. They, people wanted yeah. him dead because he was a white supremacist. And then to make things better, they had him pose with George and Wheezy. <laughs> oh they had their my God! This is true. This and is true. Then smiling. <laughs> Oh, but you know, because back then, back then you would watch a TV show, like, and 30 million people were watching it. Like, and it was, it was like, there was a disconnect. Like, you are that. Like, why would you think that that person is an actor? Like, yeah. you saw this guy, you saw Gordon jump on KRP at the day for years, but one appearance on different strokes where he's touching a little boy, and you're like, molester. Yes. <laughs> he was the second Maytag repairman. Yeah, the second Jesse Maytag. Jesse White was the Oh, my the Jesse God, White. that's right. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think back on special episodes a lot because. I think they were very much in vogue during my youth. Different Strokes had a bunch of them. They had Nancy Reagan come on for the drug use. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Uh, Sam, uh, the little kid, uh, got kidnapped in one episode, and Mr. Drummond had to like pay ransom to get him back. <laughs> yeah, uh, amazing. Like, well, dark, dark, dark territory. Uh, you know, you had Blossom. You had uh, Saved by the Bell, where they're doing speed. Like, oh, and these, the, the, the one where she she's goes, dancing in the bedroom. Like, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so, so excited. I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> and she was taking caffeine pills. Caffeine pills. No yeah. dose. Yeah. Yes. 
that uh, that <laughs> stuff, like I mean, those were so oh, important <laughs> important to me as a kid because they like, oh, this is some serious yes! stuff, you know. You really... was it Lark Voorhees? Which one of them? Uh, was no, the... that was Elizabeth Berkeley. Oh, was Jesse? Uh, uh, yeah, right. sure. yeah. Elizabeth Berkeley. And yeah. and then there was one for French print, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, sure, yeah. Where where like Carlton uh, <laughs> decides. Uh, he's left with the thought, uh, like, maybe blacks are being bullied by the police. Oh like, they don't. God. He starts to think about it, and then the credits start oh. rolling with, without, without the, without the music. Yeah. Oh, man. There's so many of those. I, I, those, they were, I mean, that was very much in vogue. You never have that anymore. That's not, they don't have special episodes. They're not like a special episode of Parks and Rec, you know? <laughs> But, but I mean, but yeah, family don't ties. Do them anymore. Family ties. Michael J. Fox got addicted to speed too. Speed was a big thing. Like he oh, was yeah. studying and he's jumping around the house, you know. And and oh, my favorite family ties. This is a great one. Bringing it back to Tom Hanks. Oh, the, that's the right. alcoholic. The Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks one, was yeah. the uncle who was the alcoholic, and he was going into the kitchen cupboard and drinking vanilla extract because there's a little bit of liquor in there, <laughs> and they like caught him in the cupboard just downing vanilla extract to get oh. drunk. Oh, in different strokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there's, there's one where a bad white kid, yeah, uh, becomes friends with Todd Bridges, and uh, they they start drinking and driving. Uh huh. And then there's a car accident where Todd Bridges winds up with a tiny right. little band aid on his forehead, and but they find out that his friend was killed. Oh uh, yeah. And and. He starts, you know, Todd Bridges, uh, yeah. Academy Award. Yeah. Uh, he starts like sobbing and going to Mr. Drummond. He goes, "Look at me, I'm crying like a little kid." And Mr. Drummond goes, "No, you're crying like a man." <laughs> and then the Credits. silence. <laughs> one of uh, one no one theme of, song, no closing. One of the theme most song. avant-garde episodes. Again, a family ties. Was a great episode. Michael J. Fox is dating a girl. I think she'd been on the show for a handful of episodes. She also died in a car accident. Okay? <laughs> of course, great, great uh, recipe for a half hour sitcom, family sitcom. Uh. Chill off a girlfriend. And the whole episode took place in the therapist's office, which was a black space where you never saw the therapist. Oh, jeez. So the camera's just on Michael J. Fox, and it was like a one-man show of him going, I, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. It's fine. <laughs> yes. It's fine. He's like, it's fine. And then, and then, like, the therapist, like, drops some change on the ground, and he's like, $1.75. She's like, what? He's like, that's how much money. He's like, because he could hear oh, the money. so he's the Dustin Hoffman yeah. character. <laughs> and then the whole episode culminates in exactly what happened with Todd Bridges. He finally gets in touch with himself, and he starts crying in the chair, and he's like, I am upset. I am upset. And he starts crying, weeping. Credits. And, and another thing, like we were talking about, like, uh, Hollywood science yeah. is that you could be totally stark raving mad, but your your analyst goes, oh, your father slapped you, <laughs> and you 
totally normal after That's that. That's it. That was you, it. You just yeah, said the key the word. It's the breakthrough. They, yeah, all you need is that one what? breakthrough, <laughs> and you're completely normal. <laughs> they don't really do special episodes anymore. No, it was, it was like very a, much in vogue yeah, to... 70s and 80s. Yeah, to just kind of... We gotta. We have to teach, and as as much as entertain, we gotta teach. Well, I think about all in the family. I think about the rape episode with Edith, and there was. I mean, of course, that was always an issue show. Yeah, yeah, and but, that was, and, and but those were handled less schmal like uh, small or schmaltzy. Like yeah. it was like it was like that was a crazy thing to have a rape episode sure, on all in the family. Sure. But, but they, it wasn't so far to go because it was a show that was already uh, pushing those. Yeah, yeah. When Happy Days is suddenly doing a literacy episode. Yeah, it's like it's what? A, like what's happening? Right. Oh, and they had one. Where I think uh, Urkel. Uh, <laughs> and Urkel. No, it's, Urkel. It's not shocking enough to me that you're watching The Notebook. I love that now you're you watching fa- Family you're watching Matters. Family Matters. At, at the end, it's either because I think it's because drugs and gangs yeah. are taking over the school. And at the end, uh, Urkel does a song and dance about, you know, you know, stay away from drugs and stay in school. <laughs> 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 it's so funny. I think because you were so attached to these characters, they were these. They were more than actors doing a show. They were like these icons. So it was like if Urkel tells you not to do drugs, or if Gary Coleman says don't do drugs, you won't do drugs. Like I don't do drugs because I saw Alex P. Keaton do drugs, and I will never do. You know, it's like yeah, that. Yes. Was, you know, that was the idea. Like if they don't, they, it's not good enough for them. And it's not good enough for me. So, Some of the other movies you talked about, I mean, I listened to a bunch of episodes. I loved when you guys talked about View to a Kill, which I think was a live oh, episode. It was a live episode with a, another podcast called the James Bonding Podcast. Right. There were like right. two James Bond fanatics, this guy, uh, Matt Gorley and Matt Myra. And that View to a Kill is... It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> it was my first James Bond movie. So oh, like sorry. for a long time, I thought Roger Moore was the best Bond. And then when I found out about Sean Connery, I was like, wait, there's another? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, but View to a Kill, uh, just to, to refresh your memory, it's Christopher Walken as the bad guy, Grace Jones as the Bond yeah, girl. Yeah, Mayday. As Mayday. Yeah. And, um, and it's all taking place about Silicon Valley, and it's a little ahead of its time. But it's there's so much... Uh, that Bond episode, he's so old. He's oh, yes. so old and not spry. Like, he's 67 years old. Like, he's older. Yes. And, and, and like he's having, like, sex with Tanya Roberts, who's, like, more than 30 years his, uh, you know. Well, his, I learned on your podcast that she that, that he was actually older than Tanya Roberts' mother. Yes, yeah. That was it, yeah. <laughs> so it was so bizarre. Don't mind it, it, that it, photographer that just came into the room. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, uh, View to a Kill is oh, it's it's and a the disaster. stunt man. The, the other <clears throat> excuse me, the other thing, embarrassing thing about that one is they don't bother to make an effort to hide nope. to conceal the stunt. You nope, see, not if, at all. if you watch it, there's shots that are clearly not Roger Moore. No, he's not around for a majority of that movie. He is just and and uh, I just love the sex scene between him and Grace Jones. It's oh. so. Like and it's aggressive. It's like a biting sex scene. Oh, jeez! And it's like wow, wow. And Christopher Walken and is great in it. Like it's a very bizarre. It's such a bizarre movie. It's yeah, a Max real, Zorin. Max Zorin. Yeah. And his plan to why flood I remember that. Silicon I think he's in fl- flood Silicon Valley, so they could yeah. raise the price of microchips. <laughs> like you know, like, Octopussy's not much better. No, Octopussy's just uh, a smidge better. 
Yeah, where he uh, infiltrates a compound by being inside an alligator, like a robotic alligator, and the, the mouth opens. He's like, and like climbing out. But Gilbert yeah. wants to take issue with you because he likes one of the films that you okay. That which you, one? That oh, you I like Devil's Advocate. Oh, I. You know what? I think Devil's Advocate is. Very fun, and like yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think, and that's what we talk about on the show too. There are movies that we can enjoy, like yeah. uh, like Fast and Furious. I love, but we can also yeah. talk about how crazy it is. And yeah. to me, that's the perfect Pacino. Right, yeah. but now he's not so unhinged, but he's enough unhinged. Yes. You know, he's like he's yes. yelling yes. just enough. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is coming in kind of hot, like off of that like in that Matrix era. Like mm. it's. It's a, it's like the, the perfect storm of everyone doing what they do yes. to the best of their ability, and it's, and it's a crazy movie. I mean, oh, to- and and I remember, oh, and one of my favorite lines there is uh, Charlize Theron is yes. is the first one to start going crazy. Oh yeah yeah yeah, because she's witnessing all this, and. Uh, and she says she was left alone at the party yeah. and all these weird things that were happening. And and he starts saying to her, well, you know, you were alone and you had some wine. And she goes, it wasn't the wine, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know his special talent, by the way, speaking of movies? Ooh, no. He can remember taglines from movie posters from the 70s. Yes. And we're really? talking about obscure movies. Like, what was the one you pulled out? The uh, That oh. that horror movie? The, the okay. B- by Axe, by Pick? Oh, by... by- by axe, by pick, by knife, by bye. What was the movie? Uh, I think it might have been called The Executioner. The Executioner. Oh, and, wow. And, and in the Jamie Lee Curtis Terror Train. Do you know this one? Was, Terror no. Train with Jamie the, Lee Curtis? The boys and girls of Sigma Phi, some will live, some will die. I These are 40-year-old it. movies, I, and I, he remembers that they were but, out a week. But you get the, they're stuck in my head, too. I get those as well. Did you ever see Sleepaway Camp? Oh, it's like wait. a Friday the Thirteenth knockoff. It's, it's one of the most bizarre films, and I I, I, I highly recommend you watch it. It's okay. it's I, I I don't think I have seen a movie this bizarre. I will not spoil the end. The ending is one of the most psycho level shocking psycho as Alfred Hitchcock psycho. Like you're like wait 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 what? Yeah, uh, and um, this movie and it's so. Uncool. It's so politically incorrect. It's so so crazy uh, in every every way. Uh, Sleepaway Camp. I don't. I would love you guys to watch Sleepaway it. Camp. Sleepaway okay, Camp. Okay, Gilbert, write it down. Yeah, Sleepaway Camp is something that I think uh, you definitely. It, it is a real. It's a real horror movie. That is. Oh yeah. Wow. I can't. I, I want to talk about. It. I want you to enjoy because I didn't know anything about it, and it's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Now, now, one of the movies you picked that's of no surprise to anybody, yes. anyone who went to this movie saying, gee, it's a bad movie, uh, should be shot, and that's Battlefield Earth. I saw Battlefield Earth at a the <laughs> premiere. You're a brave the man. New York oh, God. Premiere. Oh, I envy you. Uh, uh, and yes, it was, me too. Uh, my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was like an entertainment reporter, and she's like, we got this ticket to go see this movie. And we went in, sitting in the balcony, watching this movie that is 
like and, and at that point too, like I think Scientology now is uh, much more discussed. Like yeah. at that point, <laughs> you knew like I remember seeing commercials for Dianetics. Yes, and you know, and then you would see like the Dianetics, and I never knew what Dianetics was, but I saw these commercials, and 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 you just didn't know, and you knew L. Ron Hubbard, but it was a little, it, everything was under the surface, you know, like and then this was like. And I, I was like, this is like people are like that's what Scientology is that that battlefield Earth is. I was like, it's what? Barry Pepper and dreadlocks. Yeah, and it's like calling people <laughs> like you, you rat brains, you rat brains, and it's like the worst. The end is like the worst knockoff of Star Wars. Uh, you know, John Travolta in dreads with a Forest Whitaker. Right. You know, they're all in like uh, in in these um, heels, these like chunky heels. So they're like eight feet tall, and they're both like a feminine. Yes. You know, uh, super genius. Yeah. Like, oh. We must capture these earthlings. But it was at the time. It was at the time, though. Where again, like uh, Travolta had his comeback, and you're and and to me, I went in going, "Oh, this will be great!" Like it's a it's a sci-fi movie. Yeah, I didn't know much about it. I mean, maybe I was super naive to it, but I went in like going, like, and I remember my jaw just dropping lower, lower, lower. I think it did hit the floor at one because I was like, "Wait, what is going on here? It's so bizarre." And didn't they the the people have removable arms? Wasn't that part of it that you can unscrew their arms? There was some very bizarre, so many bizarre things. Uh, I think like the arms were detachable. There was something like that. I know there was something. Speaking of movies, Paul, let's tell tell us about tell us about one you were in with Mm -hmm. one of our podcast guests, Gary Busey. Oh yes, the Immortal Piranha Three D. Well, to correct you, Uh oh. It was Piranha Three Double D. Oh, you were in. I I was in both. Oh, say I was in Piranha Three D. Your IMDb Uh, page is is deceptive. Well, yeah. So I I was in Piranha Three D and Piranha Three Double (laughs) D, the sequel to Piranha Three D. And Gary Busey was in the. He was the opening kill in the second one. Okay. So, the first movie, I actually quite enjoy. It's uh, totally. Fun, like the director made Prana 3D, and it's you know, and he played right into everything that you want, like bloody, gory, and it has a great cast. It's Elizabeth Shue and Ving Rames and Adam Scott and Jay O'Connell and myself, and it was a really fun, fun thing. The movie made a lot of money. They said, let's make a sequel, but let's not bring back any of the original writers, directors, or anything. We'll just kind of do it very quick, and. Uh, they brought back me and Ving Rhames. Now, my character was killed off in the first movie, but they didn't have enough money to finish the CGI. So my character in the first movie disappears. Like, <laughs> um, scene, 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 gone. No, no death scene, no hearing from me. Like, I just cease to exist. And so, uh, and, and, and Ving Rhames goes into the water and the the first movie with a um like the end of a boat like the boat motor and he's like ah and then he is getting eaten alive he's like ah and as he's getting eaten alive it's almost like he's in quicksand he lowers down so you think he's dead too so i guess whoever is behind the second movie was like well i guess what we didn't see paul die and we really didn't see ving die always saw his legs get eaten so guess who shows up to the water park because that's where the piranha attack in the second yes. movie in a water park me and Ving Rhames, we are buddies. No, we were not connected in any way in the first movie. I guess we met in a piranha attack support group. 
I am unscathed. 100%. Ving has no legs and he's in wheel ch- in a wheelchair. And um Ving and I and, and the whole our whole plot line which we shot in one day, we shot like 12 pages in one day was Ving was afraid to go in the water. And I'm like his counselor. I'm like, "Ving, you you need to get in the water. You got to get over this fear." And he finally gets in the water and that's when the piranha attack at the water park. But luckily, Ving Reigns has outfitted himself with a shotgun leg. So he's like, give me my shotgun. He puts it into his leg. And he starts firing shotgun bullets out of his leg to kill Piranha. And uh, and it was the most insane day ever because I got to hang out with Ving Reigns, who is – Everything you want Ving Rhames to Didn't be. Didn't you also? Yeah. I read you. You praised his commitment to the to the. Well, yes. Talking about an actor um, before you were talking about an actor committing to nonsense. And Ving, Ving, uh, Ving had to. Ving really wanted. Had a lot of input on how his character wanted to be, and for me, who he liked, he liked me. And you want to talk about a director, an actor who's like doesn't take anything from a oh, director. Yeah. Ving is one of those guys. Uh, so I I get into the scene with Ving, and he is. I'm like, I'm not going to use my legs. I'm not going to walk in this scene. And I'm like, okay. And so I had to lift Ving Rhames, who's a big man, out oh, of a geez. wheelchair because he's like, I don't have the use of my legs. <laughs> I was like, okay. And so I'm like holding this man, and he's just, he's dead weight in my arms. So there's a scene in this movie where I am struggling to carry all the dead weight of Ving Rhames. I mean, if you tried to carry me as dead weight, oh, I'd yes. be heavy. You know, Ving Rhames is <laughs> a muscular guy, so it was one of the most fun days ever because he's hilarious. But carrying him back, oh, my gosh. Yeah, he committed to that uh, that affliction quite well. Now, another movie here that got me angry yeah. watching it, and that was the uh, Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Oh, oh God. Godzilla, my gosh. Godzilla, another movie. I went in with high hopes. I can get lured in by any trailer. I, yes. You cut a good trailer, I am ready to go. And I will be fooled. Fool me a million times. Yeah. I think that sequel will be great, even though I hated the first one. I go back, I go back. Godzilla was just bad. It was a bad... Like, and how can you mess that up? It's a dinosaur attacking well, New York. They keep trying. They keep rebooting Godzilla. I know, and it's so easy. Just... Dinosaur, and it it uh, or God, the, whatever Godzilla it is. there had a goofy underbite. Yeah, and he was not. He well, look, you're gonna make Godzilla, and the one thing that everyone knows about Godzilla is how Godzilla looks. And you take Godzilla, and you don't make him look like Godzilla. Yeah. Like I remember, I was in New York at that time, and it was like, now you see him. Like it was a big. What does he look like? Because all the ads were like. This is the size of his foot. Oh yeah. This is the size of his tail. This is the thing. That's his eye. That's his. And then, but they never showed it to you. Then when they finally revealed it, it was like, oh, that's Godzilla. And they were doing that thing when they're scared of their special effects yeah. are shitty. That every scene where he's attacking, it's at night and pouring rain. It, well, yeah, because yeah. they couldn't. They had to hide the whole movie. It's yeah. like when, that whenever they hide, that yeah. They, I mean, there were so many of those movies back in the early or like the late '90s where it was all everything was in the dark. I mean, oh, yes. yeah, even Jurassic Park, which is an amazing film and technologically advanced, everything's in the dark in there too. It's like yeah. it, rain, rain, rain. Yeah. <laughs> <Get out. laughs> 
<laughs> and you were fired from uh, an Eddie Murphy movie, or you were re- recast? Well, did we I, have that. I did this. Movie, Gilbert's old buddy. I I did this movie. Meet Dave, and Meet Dave was a oh, film. Oh, he's like a robot. Yes, he was an alien from another <laughs> planet, but on the other planet, uh, he's about maybe six inches tall. You know, and and so, um, so his alien race sends him to planet Earth as a in a in a robot ship that looks like Eddie Murphy. So the ship is a six-foot-tall Eddie Murphy. So, But there's a little Eddie Murphy inside the brain controlling it. So does that make sense? Eddie Murphy is a spaceship no. with a little Eddie Murphy <laughs> yes. inside controlling it. So um, I was the role of Lieutenant Buttocks. Um, and I oh. worked in the butt. And my lines were lines like this. Sir, we had a gas leak. It was silent but not deadly. Oh. Like that kind of stuff, right? So um, I get to set. Uh, the first day, uh, you know, I'm working on the movie, first and only day. And uh, I talked to the director, and I and, the, and, and we're on a green screen. And uh, I go to the director, I go, okay, so what, what am I looking at? What it, it's like day 50 of 60. I'm like, what am I looking at? Because it's just green. There's nothing there. And he goes, I, I don't know, man, it's a spaceship. <laughs> and I go, oh, all right. And so, you know, and I think it was one of my first movies. And, and uh, I go, you know, so we get in there. And uh, action. Sir, we had a gas leak. It was silent but not deadly. Ah, cut, cut. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's like, you play with the controls. And I'm like, oh, what controls? Like, you have a control panel in front of you, and then there's a screen right over here, so you got to talk to the screen. I go, that's what I just asked you. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, so, you know, so now it's like, sir, we had a gas leak. It was silent but not deadly. He's like, more military. I was like, sir, we had a gas leak. It was silent but not deadly. He's like, more angry. I was like, Sir, we had a gas. I go, silent, not deadly. How can I mess up that line? I'm not even interacting with the person. <laughs> and I'm watching this director from across the, the way. And he's, and you know when you're messing up? I, for me, when I mess up, I get sweats all throughout my body. Like oh, my yeah. body just, every part of me is just boof, like sweats. I'm like. Like and, Albert Brooks. And <laughs> yeah. Brooks has yeah. a flop yeah. sweat. So I, I feel it and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I can't figure out what I'm doing wrong because, sir, I had a gas. I go, silent, not deadly. Like, I, 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 how did he mess it up? I'm saying it. <laughs> You know, and I'm giving it to him in a million different ways. And uh, so cut, cut, and the and, and the uh, assistant director comes over to me. He's like, hey, we have some camera issues. Um, we're going to send you back to your trailer for a second. Is that okay? And I'm like, uh, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, I know you don't have camera issues. I've yeah. worked on enough that I know that there's no camera <laughs> yeah, issues. Yeah. So I go back to my trailer. I'm waiting there, and I'm like freaked out. I call my, my wife, and I'm like, honey, I don't know. I did and she's like, don't worry. It's fine. All of a sudden, knock, knock, knock. Oh. And I open the door, and there's a producer. Now, I'm in, uh, for those of you who don't know, there's there's a couple types of trailers in Hollywood. There's the trailer, where it's a giant trailer. It's your own trailer. I never had one of those. Then there's another trailer, where it's two. It's split in two. A big trailer, one side for one person, one side for the other person. Then there's another type of trailer, where it's split into threes. So it's like three people in one big trailer. And then there's something called the honey wagon. The honey wagon is like... Eight trailer, eight rooms in one trailer. So you basically have the narrowest hallway with a toilet on one side and a door on the other, and there's probably four feet separating the door and the toilet, and there's not much room. It's like, knock, knock, knock. The producer's like, can I come in? And I'm like, sure. And now from him entering and where I'm standing, if I'm not going to be in hugging range of him, I'm literally standing over a toilet. Yep. So now we're having a meeting where I'm standing over a toilet, and he's talking to me. He goes, ah, oh, look, man. This is the hardest part of the job. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have to recast you. Uh, and I go, oh. And he goes, yeah, it, 
it's not your fault. We're just going to recast you. And I go, oh, okay. And he goes, can I have your smock? Because I'm wearing a smock <laughs> that has a little picture of a buttocks on it. And I go, uh, sure, sure. And I give him my smock. And he goes, we're going to have the, um, the video playback guy play your part. I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, the video playback guy. Uh, we're going to have him play your part. So... I go, okay, I'm crushed. I'm absolutely crushed. And, you know, I start to leave and, and uh, the base camp AD comes over and goes, hey, uh, look, we talked to the director and he said, if you want to stay and be an extra today, you know, that will be good because then you'll get residuals for being an extra in the movie. And I go, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I, I think I'm just going to go home. I don't need to be an extra. I've just been humiliated. I don't need to, yeah. to kind of be here and, 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 and eat shit. And um, so I'm, I'm walking out and walking to back to my car. And then this other guy comes over and goes, oh, hey. Hey, man, where are you going? Where are you going? And I go, I was just fired from this movie. And he goes, fired? You weren't fired, man. You're hilarious. We're writing you a new part right now. And I go, uh, what? He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, come with me. Come with me. We go back into my trailer. So now three people come into my trailer. Again, it's you know four feet long. We're all, like, cramped in there. There's a guy with a uh, laptop. He goes, okay, all right, we're going to write you something. We're going to write you something. You are now Lieutenant Kneecap. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're Lieutenant Kneecap. <laughs> and, um, okay, how about this? You like hot dogs. Okay, we're going to write this in. This is great. This is going to be great. They put me in the movie. I am in the final scene that they were shooting a little bit later in the day. And they put this giant hot dog in my lap. This, like, four-foot-tall <laughs> hot dog. And they give me a bunch of beef jerky, and they eat this. And at a certain point in the scene, pull back the hot dog and go, uh, sure beats protein squares. And uh, so I'm holding this hot dog in front of me. And uh, pull it back. Sure beats protein squares. Great. Loved it. And then uh, and the director comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, I'm so sorry about before when we had to recast your part up. Uh, I thought you were a fat guy. Yeah, I looked at your headshot when we were casting you. I just thought you were fat. I didn't realize you were fat. You weren't fat. So uh, my video playback guy is pretty fat, and I thought it would be funny because like, he's got a big fat ass Like if he was Lieutenant Buttocks. So, you know, because it's funny if you're fat and you're in the fucking butt. And I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, you're, this is going to be great. And then you see the movie. And I'm not in it because the only thing you see is in the last scene where I'm sure beats protein squares. It's just a guy sitting there with a giant hot dog in his lap, but it's always covering my face. So that <laughs> is my meat. But, Ed, but Eddie was good to you because you were he was a Eddie Murphy he was a hero. is a hero to me. Uh, I love Eddie Murphy. And when he was on set, he sat down with us. It was Kevin Hart was in that movie, and uh, and Ed Helms and and Judah Friedlander. It was a great cast and. Eddie, for hanging out with Eddie Murphy for that hour and a half, everybody, you always hear, like, oh, don't look Eddie in the eye. Don't, Eddie doesn't come to set. Eddie does blah, 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 blah. He couldn't have been the better, nicer, funnier guy. And and I also worked with Eddie yeah. you know, on Beverly Hills Cop yeah. 2. And, and I, I, he's, yeah, he's a great guy and very talented. And, boy, if you want to talk about horrible choices— of movies. But he's, you know, Eddie Murphy to me is one of the most talented guys out yes. there. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think unfortunately he gets caught in this. Who knows? I'm going to put my own, I'm going to be my own therapist for Eddie Murphy. But I, I think that he chases the paycheck too much. It's like, because when he does stuff like Showgirls or when he does something that is a little bit. Oh, like, Dreamgirls. Dr- sorry, Dreamgirls. Yeah, yeah. Like a little less mainstream or he, he's so talented. Yes. He just, I think, sometimes gets caught in these, you know, these movies that are a little cookie cutter, you know. So. Which, which gets us to 
A Thousand Words. Oh, I've heard about this movie, yeah. <laughs> that, that's not... where he's given a plant, and every time he he's only allowed a thousand words left. Yes. And he every time he says a word, a leaf yes. falls from the plant, and there are moments of, like, utter stupid comedy mixed with, like, oh, we're doing a great foreign film. <laughs> they're, they're telling us you got other stuff to do, Paul, and places oh, okay. to go. Oh. But, but for you, so much we could have covered, and I hope you come well, back and I do it, and we'll talk about Human Giant and the League, well, and we didn't you get did to any of that. You did all the research, so we'll come back one time we'll do Please it. do. And, and so tell us about Crash Test. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so Crash Test... Which is what you came here to plug. Well, yes, but it's fine. I had a great time talking about movies. Um, you know, I came out of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, which is a comedy theater in New York and L.A., and I do this show Crash Test with my buddy Rob Hubel, and we always joked about taking that show and putting it on a bus. It was always a joke. Like, yeah. we're going to take the show and put it on a bus, and we found a bus that is completely made out of glass, and we made the stage Los Angeles, and we basically drove around L.A. and bumped into all of our friends, like Aziz Ansari and Aubrey Plaza, uh, Rob Corddry, Earl Sweatshirt, Tom Lennon and Ben Garant. So we basically do like a live comedy variety show on this bus, and uh, we are releasing it ourselves on this uh, Vimeo platform for three ninety nine, and it's this kind of improvised comedy special, because I'm not a stand-up, so... I do more of these, like, quote-unquote bit shows where there's characters and interactions. So we did a, what I thought is the closest thing to the shows that I've been doing at UCB for, like, the last 10 years. And when is this going to be available? It's available right now. Available right you now. You can go to CrashTestShow.com or you can go to Vimeo.com. And it's it's three ninety nine, and I think we pack a lot of, lot of punch there for 3 bucks. And and I, you you definitely have to come back because there's nothing I enjoy talking about more than movies I hate. Ah, I go, well, I'll come back. We'll be back in uh, October. I'll come back. So much to cover, and we didn't like I said we didn't get into Human Giant or the League or or Arsini- your Arsenio reenactments. It's a, it's a part. It's a two part. It's, we'll it's do a it all. very special the episode. Love guru. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I should say in Jurassic Park they do have. One great scene when they first see the dinosaurs. Yeah. that's broad daylight. Oh yeah, that's a beautiful yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that was, the magic moment. Yeah, and wasn't the actress named Saffron Burrows? That's it. In Just, blue scene. Oh my God! Yes, Just and, popped into and my then head. Saffron Burrows. I purposely got a copy of this film. Uh, it was one of those art films. Uh, where she's like basically naked in her apartment the whole time. <laughs> I like that you, you definitely found that. That's the Gilbert I know, yeah. not watching The Notebook and different strokes. <laughs> well, it was great talking to you guys. Thank, thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. It, and uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Do you me. take thank requests you. for that show? Because Gilbert and I would like to, would yeah, like to submit some do. bad movies. If you movies. guys ever come out to L.A., let's come, come on the show and we'll do one of your picks. The Swarm. Ooh, okay, The Swarm, all right. Michael Caine. All right. Ever seen it? No. Oh, yes. Give it a look. Okay, The Swarm. I love it. Oh, and that Jaws movie, Michael Caine. We did that one. We did that one. We We did it. Great, great, great. The the Swarm for sure. Well, guys, thank you so, so much. And thank you, Paul Shear. Thanks, Paul. (laughs) Thank you. Bye, guys. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Slicinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, 
one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.